Plus, Basketball Weekly is fortunate to have another guest. It's Wednesday, January 13th. I'm Ryan Chen, host of the Taiwanese Pro Ball Podcast. A quick summary of the past weekend in the Plus League, Shimzu Jieko Lioners hosted another home weekend. On Saturday, they lost to the Formosa Taishing Dreamers on a knockdown, dragged-out battle where the two teams combined for 62 free throws, including Dreamers Anthony Tucker hitting 17 of 18 from the line, scoring 41 points in all. The next night, the Lioners had a 12-point lead at half, but again had a second-half letdown to the Taipei Fubon Braves, who crushed the Lioners with a 39-point fourth quarter. After four weeks of play, Braves sit on top of the league standings with five wins. The Taoyuan Pilots second with two wins and two losses, the Dreamers third at one and three, and the Lioners fall to one and four. Very happy to have on Rock. Could you introduce yourself and your basketball background? Cool. Thanks, Ryan. Um, I guess a lot of my followers would know me better as Chairman Ball. So Rock is my English name. It's, it's a name that my very patriotic parents gave to me as I migrated over to New Zealand. And for those that don't know who New Zealand is, it's that country that's under Australia. So we're in Australia, but we're pretty much neighbours. A few things that I think I need to caveat this conversation with, and that's firstly that um, I don't really have any formal education or training in journalism. It's just that, you know, I have a passion for basketball and love for basketball in the Asia region. In terms of how I kind of started getting into this and even to start blogging was I was traveling through China in late 2016. I was in um, Guangdong, Dongguan, who had the chance to actually catch a CBA game. At the time, I was on holiday. And as much as I like China, um, there are certain cities where, you know, there's just not that much for you to do. So when my dad's friend kind of offered some tickets to go watch a basketball game, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm really keen. Let's do it. At the time, I didn't really put too much thought to it because I'm just so used to seeing the NBA and basketball quality there. I just thought that, you know, the level of basketball in China would be pretty low and not that it's more like comical experience. But man, like when I actually went into the the stadium and like caught the game, it was amazing. Yeah, I was absolutely awesome awestruck atmosphere was electric um i got to watch e jang lian the former number six pick he was a beast that night just catching alley-oops putting like import players on posters and from that moment on i knew that i just had to know more about the chinese basketball association you know just to dive in a bit deeper as someone who's you know i, don't, I can't say born and bred taiwanese because i only lived there for four years but um, i've always had a keen interest on finding some of the taiwanese players so during that time There'll be the likes of Zeng Wenting, who was with the Shanghai Sharks, and obviously the beast Lin Zijie, who played for the Zhejiang um, Guangsha Lions. So always kind of like just follow them as much as I can. And, you know, when I was doing kind of the research or wanting to know more, I found that there just wasn't that much English content available. And, you know, being a bit of an ABC, like, you know, it's always a little bit harder reading, <laughs> reading mm-hmm. Mandarin. So I guess I took it upon myself more as a challenge to also improve my own Mandarin to really, you know, start building some content in English so that we could really reach more people and to kind of share, um, you know, the love for basketball in China and Taiwan. What's been really amazing is that, you know, since I did this four years ago now, I've gotten a lot of love back from the different Mandarin diasporas around the world. I've had people from Eastern Europe message me saying, oh, thanks for writing about the CBA, you know, I really wanted to find out for more information, but couldn't speak Mandarin. So it was really hard for me to find 
something. So, you know, there's a lot of reward in that. I guess I've gotten to the point that it's been so awesome that I've gotten to, you know, advise some basketball agents. You know, I've, I, had a, <laughs> I had a funny situation where I had one of the players' agents contact me to ask if a certain city was livable because um, the player he was representing was really worried that his um, lifestyle would be affected. So that was a fun conversation to have. And obviously being able to buy some of the um, American coaches on scouting, that's also been a really cool plus. And then finally, I guess the penultimate goal for me has been working with some of the FIBA e- editors. I've had the pleasure of working with some of the Asia correspondents in terms of like some of the articles that they're publishing. And that's kind of where I am at this point in time. Wow, that's very cool. Very extensive. And sure, a lot of the English sources about basketball in Asia have been good resources for me to get caught up on all this being one of the contributors myself now hosting this podcast. Before we get going into the professional basketball, Rock, do you yourself have any basketball playing experience or do you play right now? (laughs) <laughs> I think for me, it's um, definitely more at a social Rickley level, if you know what I mean. For me personally, it's just, you know, I guess a lot of Asian diaspora kids who grew up, you know, watching Jeremy Lin, you know, um, being able to pretty much beat out all the stereotypes and compete at the highest level of basketball. I think that serves a great inspiration. And that's kind of kept me wanting to be involved in the game as long as I can. All right, let's move on to the main topic at hand. How did you hear mm. about the Plus League and view the 2020 year unfold for the league from beginning to tip off? Yeah, so I'll share another story I had, and that's quite an emotional one in the sense that um, I think this was just before the ABL closed due to COVID. I was in Taiwan, and I caught a ABL game between the Braves and the Singapore Slingers. It was at Herping Stadium. It's a home ground for Fubon Braves. And basically, it was like my first time attending the live basketball game in Taiwan and I remember like sitting in my seat and as the, you know they were announcing their players I started tearing up like it's the sense of pride seeing like such a fine establishment being run and the sense of purpose and empowerment to like Taiwanese athletes like I, I just remember like shedding a few tears and then trying to tell my partner that it wasn't tears of like I, it was just the new glasses that I had just bought so um it was quite a memorable experience and um, watching that game just kind of got me really interested in the domestic basketball scene in Taiwan just because I felt like there was a lot of potential and I really wanted to follow to see how they were doing. A huge shout out to like the everything aside from the court and what I mean by that is like the marketing, the, mm-hmm. the design of the jerseys and I think even like the social media engagement. I've been really, really impressed with all those elements. And it's something that like really caught my attention, especially when like they started announcing the PLE. It really felt like they really built the hype. And I think that really helps to draw, you know, some fresh audiences towards the league. So like really hand, um, you know, both hands clapping out to the um, people that did the whole like strategy around this. It's been executed, in my opinion, to near close to perfection. If you look at the uniforms, it's just so much more modern. But also, like, when you go into the stadium, Fubon Stadium, the fact that they've got these little, like, bracelets that's got the brave things that, um, that light up to, like, the halftime shows, everything's just done to, I would say, for lack of a better term, the American standard, which I think has been overlooked, but it's been hugely effective. Wow. I'll be sure to let everybody know that their work is paying off. 
here we are, nine games into the regular season. Rock, what are your early takes on the competition and the teams that are in play right now? So in terms of the actual um, basketball itself, what I'll say is, you know, let's start with the Shinzu Lioness. What's really stood out for me in um, watching the Lioness has definitely been Oscar. You know, I've heard about his legendary reputation in the HBL, but to see him really, you know, bring it to, I guess, the highest echelons of Taiwanese basketball, it's been, been mind-blowing, you know? And the fact that he really wears his heart on his sleeve, this is something that is a little bit underrated because if you think about the NBA, right? When we watch the mm-hmm. NBA, we also watch the personality. So if you think about the likes of LeBron, you know, when he first came into the league, he always had this narrative that he was, you know, the chosen one, right? So there's always this narrative around him. And then when he took to Miami, he became like the villain of thought. So there's always these interesting plot lines that people can kind of draw from and, you know and then we can go even further back you know Shaq the big Aristotle so like it's all these personalities that really help become the face of the league and then watching us I know we're only nine games in but you know I appreciate the fact that he's showing emotion on the court I appreciate the fact that he's not afraid to show vote I appreciate the fact that he's he's really trying to bring culture into the team the way that he's really gelled with some of the American imports that's like really important stuff because if you win on culture, your team's eventually going to win. So I really appreciate the personality that Oscars bring. I think for the P League, the Plus League, sorry, it's something that they need. They need faces, right? So that people sure. can identify and start emphasizing with. Yeah, speaking um, of Oscar, that, he, on Saturday, he only scored four points and sat for a lot of the fourth quarter. And so coming out against the Braves, he scored a lot of the first and second quarter points. Kind of the individual game narratives, I think, will also be a big part of the Plus League story because they have five days off after all between their games on the weekends. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like you know, there was that instance where he um, he did that little foul against um, Charles Garcia a few Mm -hmm. games back, where he kind of leaned into him, right? And then you know, once he got the foul, he got up with like so much passion and energy. It really got the crowd going. I think we need more moments like that to really ensure the success of the league. <laughs> it's funny because I was listening to your um, commentary with, um, is it Benjamin? Yeah. Is it uh, the, the former coach, coach of mm-hmm. Kuyuan? Uh, yeah, he was saying how like Oscar's got to show a bit more professionalism. I think this was down in the fourth quarter when you know he had a few turnovers and a bit of a few rough fouls. I agree with that, but also, you know, that's kind of, it shows a human side, right? And as a spectator, if you're invested, then you can emphasize with the emotions that he's going through. So I've really appreciated the personality aspect from the Lioness. It's a great take. Um, yeah. And then in terms of the, the pilots, I think watching the pilots play, I think the question really has to be like, will somebody please step up outside Davies and the three imported players? I know that Sijing Yao has been quite effective, but I think there's a real lack of identity in some of the, and a real lack of role players from the pilots teams. And I contrast that to the, the Dreamers where, yeah, although a lot of the offenses run through Tucker and Young, but, you know, players like Lee Way who they're not offensively gifted, but they put the work in, you know, like they're always going to give you a shift. And I think that's what the pilots need. They need players who are willing to box out, do the nitty gritty stuff. So that's easier mm-hmm. for the um, imports and Davies to jump in. Yeah. Before this past weekend, I, actually did a tally of the team's uh, domestic players and import player scoring. So in this case, mm-hmm. Quincy Davis belongs in the domestic players list, which 
I'm sure a lot of people still think of him as an import. But anyways, the shooting percentage for the domestic players with the Pilots is sitting at 42%, which is the highest in the league before the weekend. So I'll need to tally up those two games. So it's not like they're incapable, but they do take quite a bit fewer shots at about 45 before this, well, before they will play again. So yeah. it's, there, it's we'll like you say, they're capable. They do need to actually put that out there on the floor. And with their last win, it mm. definitely seems like momentum's trending in the right way. Yeah, in all honesty, I think um, if we had to judge out of the four teams who would be the closest to challenge the Braves, I'll definitely be looking at the Pilots. Okay. And then we're moving on to uh, the Dreamers. <laughs> I heard, uh, it was Andy was he was mentioning how the Dreamers are the Houston Rockets of sorts uh, for the Plus League. I kind of agree with that, but then you see, um, I think of the last game the way had, he attempted six triples, mm-hmm. and I think they're definitely more aligned with the um, Golden State Warriors in terms of the fact that he's playing that Draymond character where he's always, he, he does the screens, he's hustling for the rebounds, he's boxing out. I think that's like really important stuff so that, you know, Tucker and Young can really shine on the offensive end, but What's not been surprising, they're averaging around 42 triples a game. That's 10 more than the second-place team, which is right. um, Yan, who I think is at 33. So they're definitely trying to win by the three ball. But I think it'll be interesting to see what other plans and strategies Coach Julius comes up with, because when it's not falling, then they're in serious trouble. Yeah, the most interesting thing about the Dreamers is a lot of the sets that they run that are actual set plays end up creating openings when they cut to the basket without the basketball. Mm. So in that sense, you're right. They are kind of like the Warriors in that they get so much attention on the perimeter that there's actually openings Mm. underneath. That's a good point. I think they're only compared to the Rockets because of the volume of three-pointers they play. Yeah. (laughs) And actually, they do get into stretches of lulls where they just high screen and roll in. That certainly looks like a certain team yeah. out of Texas. Yeah. One thing you definitely um, will be able to say about the Dreamers is that they're not afraid to shoot from anywhere. So that's always entertaining to see. Lastly, um, the Braves, man, they've really impressed me. I, I've, like, I've been pondering this thought in my mind, like how the Braves would do if they were in the CBA. Would they be like a middle-of-the-pack team or would they be kind of in that playoff and championship contention layer because – they're just so solid, like from the starting five right down to like even I would say their eighth or ninth man because I've been following like most of the Braves games quite closely and the amount of times they've come from behind, whether it be the third or the fourth quarter, to come roaring back has been really impressive. And I think that's a huge testament to the bench that they have. They're averaging, I think, like 29 points from their bench. And if you look at the other, the other three teams, None of them are averaging over 20. So they've definitely got a lot of depth in there. And that's definitely helping them to this 5-0 and start. There's a player that's like actually starting to really warm on me. And that's like lighting in. Lighting in? Is that how you pronounce lighting it? Lighting in. But man, yeah, lighting in. Yeah, he's been absolutely electric. Like, mm-hmm. he really reminds me of Lou Williams when he plays. Because whenever he comes on, it's like automatic offense. Yeah, so he's really impressed me. And it just shows, I guess, Coach Rogers, you know, that he's got a good group of guys together who can all contribute when they come onto the court. Yeah, Langton probably doesn't get good defensive ratings for his small stature. And he's actually pretty passable off the dribble. But his motor is so good that he usually sticks with the play and actually pokes a lot of dribblers' basketballs away to lead to turnovers heading the other direction. That's a great call. Also, another point about the Braves is 
how well coached they are because every game pretty much mm. they have 11 or 12 guys on for not an insignificant amount of time. Just goes to show that they need to keep everyone involved. They utilize pretty much the entire roster and whoever gets signed up for every Saturday and Sunday will eventually get onto the floor. Yeah, I think that's a real testament to Coach Rogers. Eh? The fact that he can throw so many different combinations out, I think it really confuses opponents. I think mm-hmm. the last two games I caught when they played Shinzu, I think what really helped Braves come through has been the fact that Coach Rogers wasn't afraid to change things up. And he played the two, two at the back, three up top. I think this was early on in the fourth quarter. And that really threw the Lioness in a bit of a, a bit of a twist. But to have the courage to try something like that, I think is a big testament to Rogers. That's definitely some interesting watching point for me is seeing out of timeouts what defense the Braves set up in. Because they'll alternate a lot of times between man and then two or three different zone formations. And occasionally like mm. they would feint a trapping front. And so that's always a lot of cool. And one point that makes the Braves really hard to play because a coach can always drop a play in timeouts, but what if he has to also get his guys to remember a secondary play if the defense shows something different? All right, moving yeah, exactly. on from the plus league just for a bit, you're probably a little bit more in the know on this, but something we talked about casually before the podcast was naturalized players. What is a brief history of the naturalized players in the Asian region, Asian and beyond region what might we see for the near future of team chinese taipei i think it's a very interesting right i think it's been three years since we've seen um, quincy davis doing the blue of chinese taipei with the inauguration of the plus league i think it's definitely time for chinese taipei to you know seriously consider another naturalized player if you look at you know the emerging powerhouses in asian basketball japan for one right Always they've there. had Nick mm-hmm. Fizikas. Yeah, they've, they're always there. But Nick Fizikas, NBA players, uh, Yuta Watanabe and Rui Hachimura, you know, they've really got a solid team going on. Another country who's always been a bit of a powerhouse has been South Korea. Carter Ratcliffe, an absolute beast, man. That guy is like Adonis when he's on the court in the, in, in the HR Cup. He just overpowers so many players. So mm-hmm. I think it's pretty much a necessity for Chinese Taipei to naturalize or to look at naturalizing a player. In terms of the players that um, I think, personally, Chinese Taipei should be seriously considering, there are three players that I've shortlisted it down to. One of them is Bamba. So he doesn't play in the Plus League. He actually plays in the SBL for the Yulon Dragons. But mm-hmm. he's been involved in the UBA circuit, and he's actually had quite a good debut season in the SBL, showing that he can kind of compete at a higher level. The other one would be Charles Garcia. He's a personal favorite of mine. He's probably my favorite import because his tenacity on the basketball court combined with his bear-like frame, you know, he's an absolute menace in the paint, you know. That's a guy you don't want to mess with at a club, you know. That's a guy you just say, hey, let's be friends. So definitely, mm-hmm. I, if I was Chinese Taipei, I'd be looking at him. My dark horse pick would be Kareem Jack. He's four years younger than Charles. So Chinese Taipei naturalize him. They can probably use his services for a solid decade. So those would be the three players I'll be looking at. Each have their pros and cons. With Bamba, it would be the fact that, you know, what is his ceiling? Because when he came out the UBA, I think he was pretty much head-to-head with uh, Jack for the Braves. The young, the young center. The young center from oh, the UBA. Oh, Yeah, Zheng Xiangjun, yeah. So they were matched. They're pretty equal. So for Bamba, the question would be, like, how much does he improve, right? 
And if you do naturalize them, do you use it on a younger player who's probably unproven at the international level? For Garcia, I guess the question mark for him would be, he's 32 this year. How much time do you actually get in terms of like him at his best? I would guess probably three to four years tops, although you know he's got a pretty solid frame. And I assume that he's a bit of a gym machine as well. So he probably has a bit of longevity to his game. But I think for him, it's definitely age. But in terms of someone who can come on the team and provide immediate impact, there's no one better than Chuck, in my opinion, at this moment. For Tadim Jack, man, you know, if Chinese Taipei were able to nationalize him, then they've got someone who can grow with a young core that Chinese Taipei have. And yeah, like it'll be really, really exciting to uh, naturalize him. But I guess, you know, first year in the league and in Taiwan, we'll see how that goes. A little bit of a reminder, Charles Garcia actually played for Team Belize years ago. And so that's part of the possible holdup with FIBA because he's already represented a different nation. So that uh, would involve um, giving up his uh, country of origin and national status there. Kadeem Jack, also an interesting choice, but you'd also imagine he might have be looking at other options in the years ahead mm. to play elsewhere, pursue different opportunities. So we'll see. Definitely you'd expect a lot more options to younger guys who are going mm. around still and trying to prove themselves. Definitely been awesome to see Charles Garcia play in town for a number of years and speak so highly of the place and of the basketball here. Well, Rock, thanks for being on with us. Is there any way we can uh, read up more on your content? Yeah, um, honestly, um, thanks so much, Ryan, for having me me on this podcast with you you know it's been a goal of mine to reach as many people who are just as passionate as i am about basketball especially in the taiwan and um china space for those who want to follow me uh, follow me on twitter as chairman ball and my medium account which is chairman ball as well put those up to google and you'll pretty much find me like number one number two on the list but yeah it's been awesome talking to you very cool and we'll follow up in the future Thanks again to Rock for coming on the podcast. English commentary for this weekend are the Lioneers at Pilots on Saturday and Dreamers at Pilots Sunday. Both tips are at 2.30 p.m. Taoyuan time. The other games take place in Taipei, Dreamers at Braves, and then Lioneers at Braves. Those begin at 5 p.m. Taipei time, Saturday and Sunday respectively. Thank you again for listening to Plus Basketball Weekly on Taiwanese Pro Bowl, hosted by Ryan Chen. See ya!